Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warm Republic of all, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas. For Chris Kessie, with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast, and we've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Evan Mia Kelly. He does a great job over there at his analytics site, evanmia.com. He did a great job this past college basketball season taking a look at teams that would have very demonstrative 10-0 to or greater runs, being able to track this data two years ago. You may recall he did a great job of taking a look at teams coming off of a layoff due to COVID-19. So he does a great job of being able to dive into some very good analytics of the game of basketball. And he's been doing an amazing job taking a look at these transfer classes where they wind up stacking up against one another. What team is going to be set up for maybe success? What teams are maybe not going to be? So we're going to be chatting with him about how he winds of being able to rate his transfer classes. Which teams have the best transfer classes? Are there a few transfer classes that are a little bit overrated? And then also going to get his thoughts on the whack and the way that they're going to be seeding their conference tournament as it's not going to be by strictly wins and losses, but it's going to be diving into the analytics. And he's actually going to put it to me a little bit of a different way because it's been sold as the whack is just using Kempom. Take a look at how to be able to see the conference tournament, and it winds up being a little bit more different than that, as it doesn't wind up taking into account as much margin of victory as well, because it is a little bit of an unbalanced schedule that these WAC teams wind up playing with an odd amount of teams, and not everyone winds up playing each other twice, so he's going to dive into that, and he's actually going to utilize a little bit of an example of another I'm not going to call it sport, but another event that winds up pretty much seeding team slash players the way that the WAC is as well. So Evan, one of the best minds you're going to find in all of college basketball, being able to do a deep dive in the analytics. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We just really haven't gotten a lot of news and notes in terms of player movement over the last few days, but we are certainly getting set 
with a bunch of conference previews as well. So hopefully you're going to have a few more of those up within the next few days. Been a little bit busy with hosting the look at on VSIN from 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern all week. So those are probably going to be coming up a little bit more next week. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And there's something that you want me to touch upon in this podcast, whether it be a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you. You've got one of two ways to be able to find those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at junit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M, Amy does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. We are going to be diving in with our good friend, Evan Nex, right here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eubes-Pearson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here, Lovey Las Vegas, for Cubs Cubs Eeps with myself, Craig Eeps Peters, and now part of the Easton Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest as Evan Miyakawa does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at advanced analytics out there in college basketball. You're able to catch him on his website, evanmia.com, a man that has been blowing up because he has been doing absolutely amazing work. He has been featured on such places as ESPN, CBS Sports, obviously VEASAN by myself because I am absolutely a fan of everything that Evan winds up doing and to be able to find all the great work that Evan is doing. And it's at his Twitter feed, at EvanMia, M-I-Y-A is the back half of that. And Evan, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. I'm glad to be on, Greg. It's the off season. And for me, you know, it's a time of year when my work isn't quite as public, but I am continually impressed by your ability to grind on a daily basis and get ready for the college hoop season that seems like it's approaching quicker than we uh, realize it. It certainly is. And as I always say on this podcast, bets that are won during the college basketball season, they're won right now by doing great prep work, by being able to just take a look at everything that we're getting right now. And I know you've been doing a great job of being able to take a look at rankings in terms of transfer classes. And I think some people might be surprised by some of the teams they've up there as a, at the top because I mean, we all know the big names that wound up getting floated around like Baylor Shireman. You wind up having a big-time transfer from Pete Nance a few weeks ago. You're able to throw in there guys like Imani Bates. list goes on and on. But number one in your list, I'm not going to give away the entire list, but number one according to what you wind up having going into the month of July, and let's call it what it is ever since July, things have really slowed down. Illinois. Take me through what Illinois all is coming in and why you wound up having them ranked at number one, because I feel like they've got a good class, but I don't know if a lot of people are quite giving them the hype 
of a number one transfer class. Yeah, I think what Illinois has done in the transfer market is really impressive. Now, for some context, I have two different rankings on my website under the transfer class rankings page. I have an incoming transfer class rank, which just looks at the strength of transfers that are incoming without thinking about outgoing transfers. And then I have an overall transfer activity rank, which takes both incomings and outgoings. And so you'll see a team like Illinois be a number one in the incoming transfers class rank. When you look at their overall transfer activity rank, it's 17th, which is still really, really good. So they have done really well. I think part of the reason why I have them ranked as the highest in the country in terms of incomings is because from an analytics perspective, my model loves Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon. They are both five-star transfers, according to my model. And I actually have Matthew Meyer as the number one most impactful transfer in terms of projected impact. And Terrence Shannon is also top five. Now, that's not necessarily consensus with a lot of other rankings that you'll see out there. But I think Matthew Meyer's impact is so much larger than his stats showed this last year, in particular on the defensive end. Baylor was just night and day better when he was on the court defensively. And so that's part of why he has such a high projected impact. But Terrence Shannon as well from Texas Tech is a top four, really well-rounded on offense and defense. And so that's part of why Illinois has such a high mark. Now they do lose, you know, Jacob Grandison and Andre Curbelo to the portal. But even with those two guys leaving, their overall transfer activity rank is still top 20 in the nation. Very impressive work from them. I agree. I think that Illinois, in my opinion, has a chance to be able to win the conference as well because I feel like there's a lot of people that they're getting behind the Indiana bandwagon. And I do think that Indiana is certainly going to have a solid year. I do like what has been built under year number two of Mike Woodson. But with that said, they didn't necessarily do a lot in the transfer portal as well. And the transfers that Indiana did wind up bringing in last season felt like a little bit of a Buster Rooney from them. They have a lot of guards that... I've got question marks with as well, Trace Jackson Davis. So question is going to be in for a relatively solid year. But I mean, on top of what you're saying in terms of Illinois with the best transfer class out there, I think that they've got a chance to be able to win this big 10 this season as well. I absolutely agree. I think Illinois might be underrated right now as a big 10 favorite. I really love what they're doing. It seems like they have a lot of depth and talent across the board, across all five positions. So I'm really, really excited to see how they end up doing this year. Totally agree there, as we do have Evan Miyakawa. does a great job running his own analytics website, EvanMia.com, a man that has been featured in so many platforms, and he is joining me right here on the podcast. And Evan, we were talking about it with Illinois having the number one incoming transfer class. How did you wind up breaking down just being able to rank some of these transfers, and how does like a we're going to call it top 100 recruit coming out of high school into college wind up comparing to a guy that maybe wind up putting up 12 to 13 points per game at like a mid-major school because I always think that that's such an interesting debate taking a look at a guy that maybe they wound up going to a school didn't get a lot of minutes but they were highly touted coming out of high school as opposed to a guy that they really didn't have a lot of a high school ranking but they go down to a mid-major conference they wind up being able to tear it up Now they're looking to wind up going up to a little bit of a higher level. Yeah, I think it's really fun to project impact when you're comparing, say, a guy who has a really high high school recruit ranking and either hasn't played yet or has one year under his belt and was underwhelming compared to another guy who, you know, like a Baylor Shireman, for example, a two star high school prospect, but who has been incredible in college. How do you figure out which one of those guys is going to be better? And so one of the fun things that you can do in my transfer portal rankings is you can actually look at each player's high school recruit ranking and you can kind of compare that to how I my model views them overall. So you have a lot of guys near the top of the transfer rankings who have 
really high high school recruiting rankings like Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon, like I mentioned. I think the top five-star high school recruit in terms of transfer portal ranking is Keon Brooks from Kentucky, who just transferred to Washington, and he's at 14th overall. You have a guy like Imani Bates. He's an interesting one, purely from a numbers perspective without taking into all the personal stuff, which my model can't account for, obviously. He had a very underwhelming season at Memphis, yet he was still a really, really highly touted high school recruit, and he only has one year so far in college, so there's still a lot of untapped potential there. He ends up being the 25th projected impact transfer on the board going to Eastern Michigan. So it is really interesting to see, I think, in general, for guys who are younger, who are maybe had one underwhelming freshman season, but had a high high school recruiting ranking, they still get a lot of the benefit of the doubt. For guys who have been around for several years, their high school recruit ranking becomes way less important in terms of predicting how they're going to do in the upcoming season. I think that that is always just so interesting to take a look at whether or not a guy that wound up being one of these top 150 recruits if they wind up having just untapped potential that they wound up riding the bench at a power school and maybe there was just more talent around them that wound up getting buried or the guy just wound up being a little bit of a miss coming out of high school as well because we've seen plenty of that. I'm looking at you, Pat Baldwin Jr., who wound up not necessarily doing the world's greatest job over there at UW-Milwaukee last season. So I always think that that is something that is very fascinating to take a look at as well. And when it comes to a lot of these transfer rankings as well, I know that there's a few mid-majors that wind up sticking out to you or a few teams that are a little bit more off the beaten path that you feel like have been able to do a great job of being able to bring in some transfers because in this day and age of the transfer portal, I think that so many people a few years ago thought that this was really going to be the death nail for a lot of these mid-major schools. But I would actually argue that it's honestly probably helped out some of these mid-majors a little bit more than it's hurt them because for every time you wind up seeing one of these guys that averages like 15 plus points per game at insert your mid-major school here winds up going up a level. You do wind up having guys from the power level wind up going down a level. And a lot of those guys have been able to turn into some very good studs in recent years. Absolutely. There are some mid-major teams that are under the radar, like you said, in terms of the work that they have done this offseason, the transfer portal. I think particularly when you look at teams that have done a good job of retaining almost all of their players while bringing in an impressive class, even if it's the top, not the top name guys. So a lot of these teams show up better when you look at the overall transfer activity rank. Certainly some of the teams that we've talked about so far that are really high-powered teams like Illinois, LSU, Memphis, West Virginia, they've brought in really impressive classes, but they've also lost a ton. But when you look at the top teams in terms of overall transfer portal activity this offseason, you have a few teams in the top 10 who might surprise you. Teams like UNLV, Nebraska, Bryant is eighth. I love what Bryant has done this offseason. They've brought in eight total transfers, three of which are four-star guys in terms of my transfer star rankings that I give them. And they've lost basically no one of consequence. So they've had a really impressive haul. I think that's going to be a major boost for them this upcoming season. Definitely should be getting more credit than they've gotten so far for what they've done. Yep, I wound up having Brian personally when I wound up doing my America East preview because now they went from the NEC to the AEC. It's going to be very difficult to keep track of all of these moves in terms of realignment, but I put them number one in my projector of finish. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on that front. And do you feel like there might be a transfer class or two that you might be a little bit lower on than, say, a lot of the other folks? Because I know that there have been a lot of people that 
They've been giving a lot of love to some of these one or two player classes. Like, for instance, Baylor Shireman winds up going to Creighton. And I think that that's absolutely terrific for Creighton. But with that said, that was pretty much the only move that they wanted making. Now, I do think that that move is going to be good enough to make them at minimum a top 15, if not a top 10 team. And I feel like it's exactly what they needed. But let's not pretend like Creighton wanted making just seismic moves or anything like that. They just wanted getting that one transfer that is going to be very important for them. Obviously, you wind up having some of these other schools like a Miami. They wind up getting a lot of publicity for no Chad Omir along with Nigel Pack. I think that both of those guys are going to be a very big impact as well. But at the same time, it is a case in which Miami, they are still a little bit of a team that I think is going to need to play a bit more defense this upcoming season as well. We shall see if Omir is going to have enough size to be able to compete out there in the ACC. But for a couple classes that maybe you take a look at and you're seeing a lot of people that absolutely love them and not necessarily that you think that the guys are going to be a big giant bus or Rooney or anything like that, but maybe you feel like they've been getting a little bit overhyped to this point. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any that stick out. You mentioned Miami there. They are ranked first in the nation in terms of overall transfer activity rank at my website, partly because, like you said, bringing in Omier and Nigel Pack, huge two additions, and they haven't lost anyone into the transfer portal. So that's part of why they're they're number one overall there. I do think Creighton's an interesting one. Their incoming transfer class rank is only 26th in the nation, according to my rankings. They are fourth overall because they've only lost one transfer to the portal and it's no one of significance. You know, 26th overall in terms of incoming transfer class rank for Creighton. Some people might have that rated higher. I'm looking down my list here. And I see teams like Duke at 20th. Gonzaga's 27th, they could be higher. Butler's an interesting one. I think a lot has been made of Butler's incoming transfer class. I think it's been very impressive. They're top 15 overall in the overall transfer activity rank, but I only have them 32nd in terms of incoming transfer class. They could be overrated slightly based on the consensus compared to what my model has. Uh, There's a lot to have fun with here in terms of poking around. Um, So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't checked out my transfer portal rankings yet, be sure to go check it out, see where your team is, leave some feedback. And to your point about Miami as well, the fact that they did not wind up losing anything, I think is just so big as well, because there was speculation that perhaps Isaiah Wong was going to wind up perhaps leaving in terms of Miami. He winds up coming back as well. And if Miami's able to improve that defense, look out in the ACC. So I think that they're a team that they might have a very high ceiling, but maybe a little bit of a lower floor than some might like to think as well. So they're going to be an interesting team to check out as we do have Evan Miyakawa. does a great job with his analytics website, evanmia.com. He is joining me right here on the podcast. And Evan, you absolutely love to take a look at the advanced stats. You love to take a look at the analytics of the game of basketball. And we're seeing a conference in the WAC that they're starting to embrace this a little bit more. They are going to be seeding their conference tournament via Ken Palm rankings. And I think that it is so interesting. It rubs me the wrong way a little bit that they're going to be using out-of-conference rankings because, as we know, with darn near all these conferences – They've always said that if you wind up scheduling hard, you wind up losing some of those games. If you wind up getting in conference and you take care of business in conference, you will be rewarded for that. And we might not wind up seeing that be the case this year with the WAC. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but it certainly is a relatively bold move for the WAC. And I do understand that the schedules in that conference are a little bit unbalanced with the number of teams that they wind up having. But for me, I always think that things should be settled on the court. And if you have like a Sam Houston State versus Stephen F. Austin game to decide who's going to be the three seed. Stephen F. Austin winds up winning the game, but due to Kempom rankings, they instead wind up getting like a four or five seed. That just rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely fascinated by this. I think there's a couple important points to make here. 
The first is that this is not strictly based on actual Ken Palm rank, which does include stuff like margin of victory. It's been made pretty clear from what the conferences put out along with Ken Pomeroy's own commentary that this is more just based on rewarding better wins higher and you know not penalizing teams for tough losses against good teams, having nothing to do with margin of victory at all. This is actually kind of similar to uh, a common algorithm that's used to sort ratings in different sports, especially like chess. It's called ELO ratings, where basically based on how close two teams are in, in quality, you the winner gets bumped a certain amount and the loser gets dropped the same amount based on coming into that game, the probability of each team winning. And so I do think in general, this gives teams a better chance at building an at-large resume that's actually going to matter. So I think this raises the WAC's chance of getting at-large teams into the tournament. Like you said, because they have unbalanced schedules, they don't have a true round robin. Some teams can get a little bit of an easier conference schedule. So I do think this helps adjust for that. You know, I think this is part of why we have figured out that we need a selection committee for March Madness, right? You can't just look at win-loss records to tell which teams are the most deserving. And so this is just kind of an extension of that, in my opinion, to you know reward teams for more than just wins and losses. At the same time, right, we don't choose a national champion based on an algorithm. It's based on winning a basketball game. So there is a question of, you know, how far is too far in that regard? And, you know, I think that's kind of subjective up for debate. I I do think overall, if the end goal for the WAC is to get better teams into the tournament to raise their chances of getting, you know, those shares from winning games, I do think this accomplishes that. Now, does that come at the sacrifice of, you know, just pure basketball that, you know, that's certainly up for debate. Yep, I think that it is so interesting because the way that I always look at it is for the actual NCAA tournament, you always want to be rewarding teams a little bit more slash less based on their conference schedule, their out-of-conference schedule, list goes on and on of that. But I've always felt like when it comes to conference play, you wind up settling it out there on the court. I would just hate to see the scenario that I wound up throwing out there a little bit more. Two teams have similar records. Both teams maybe wind up going in 12 and three. They're fighting for the one seed in the tournament. The team that winds up winning gets bumped because of analytics, something like that. That would rub me a little bit the wrong way, but certainly the WAC has known what they are doing because we have seen them really be able to elevate in recent years. We wind up seeing Grand Canyon be very competitive in the NCAA tournament a few seasons ago. Cal Baptist is a D2 program that has come up to the D1 level. They have been very solid. Utah Valley was able to get a couple of nice wins last season. You're able to go down the line. I think that the WAC is doing a terrific job of being able to build up their program, but they're not doing as good of a job of being able to build themselves up as Evan Miyakawa. Evan, you do an absolutely amazing job with your website, evanmia.com. You take a look at a wide variety of things. I know that last year you did a great job of taking a look at just varied amounts of runs in college basketball, teams that wind up having 10 to 0 or greater runs and tracking that data. A few years ago, you were tracking teams off of COVID pauses, and I know that you've got a lot in the works for this upcoming season. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, I've been working hard this offseason to get some big things uh, ready for the upcoming season, some big new changes to the website, some really awesome additions. So I can't really share the details of that yet, but hard at work behind the scenes, hoping to have that up, uh, you know, and along with my preseason projections and whatnot, 
uh, in October, early November. So yeah, you can find me at my website is evanmia.com on Twitter at evanmia as well. Those are the two main places you can find me. Yeah, as always, you'll find me, you know, every now and then on the podcast as well. And Evan, just a wizard at being able to take a look at so many of the advanced sets in college basketball does an amazing job of being able to track all this. And it's always great to be able to get him on this podcast. A big thanks to Evan for joining me right here on Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the VEASAN family podcast. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one or two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. News and notes of college basketball. Coming up in the offseason along with all these conference previews. And then once we get in season, fix an analysis on every single game, every single day. So I'll chat at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.